Thank you, choir. If you would, turn in the scripture to Matthew chapter 13. In the 16th century, the reformer Martin Luther, before he was the reformer, was simply a monk, and he was struggling with his own questions, his own issues in life, his own guilt, his sins. And so he traveled to Rome to try to seek out some answers. It was there that he found corruption. It was there that he found the indulgences, which is, was the practice of the Roman church to sell the forgiveness of sin. And this troubled Martin Luther. He returned to Germany and his community of Wittenberg, Wittenberg, and he began to work out some of these questions, these issues that he had. So much so that he found 95 issues that he wanted to debate the leaders of the Roman Catholic Church in regards. So he nailed those to the door of the Wittenberg Church, or the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And then the rest, you know, is history. One single man, one insignificant little monk, but God used him to literally change the world, to turn the world around. What began as a small, insignificant, and seemingly weak issue increased to mammoth proportions. And the whole empire, as a matter of fact, I would argue, and folks far more intelligent than I would argue, our world is changed because of Martin Luther. Not just religiously, but socially, politically, because of one little man. We read about that in the scripture as well of how God can take something small and seemingly insignificant and do something great with it. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 31, we are looking at these kingdom parables as we journey through Matthew to this point. There are eight parables given in this 13th chapter. Two of them, Jesus gave an explanation, an interpretation. The others, he did not. And this is the first of the parables that Jesus did not give an explanation. Read with me, if you will, beginning in verse 31. Another parable he put before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air can come and nest in its branches." 
Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. Without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. May we pray. Father, we ask that you would give us understanding of this passage this morning. We ask, Lord, that we can apply it to our lives, that we can see, Lord, how you take that which is seemingly insignificant and you do great things. We thank you for the victory that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray that he would be exalted today. We pray that he would be lifted up in this place for your honor and your glory. For We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the scripture that we've looked at, we find that there is a parabolic teaching on two fronts that Jesus was speaking first about a mustard seed and then about yeast, leaven, yeast. And we've said from the beginning about parables that they basically have one message, one theme. One lesson to be taught. We should be careful about trying to take a parable and make every little bitty part seem to fit something. And so Jesus gives two parables that are just very simple parables, simple illustrations. They are, in the English language, they're considered similes. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is light. The kingdom of heaven is like. And he gives two illustrations or two objects from their uh, agriculture society or world in which they live that they would understand. One from the garden, one from the kitchen. And so Jesus, the master teacher, speaks. He's talking about, verse 31, as well as verse 33, the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? Now, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, speak of Jesus teaching on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Matthew is the only one that uses that terminology, kingdom of heaven. When he speaks of the kingdom of heaven and when he's speaking the other Gospels translated as kingdom of God, he's not talking about heaven as though it's only something you have to die to experience. He's talking about life on this earth. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? Well, I think we don't see it in full in this life. We will in the end times. We will see and understand the reign of Christ fully and completely when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord unto the glory of the Father. We will see that eventually. But what about today when he says today the kingdom is like? He's talking about, it's something that's somewhat mysterious. He's talking about now. So a lot of people read this and say, okay, then the kingdom of God that he's talking about here in verse 31 as well as verse 33 and many of these other kingdom parables in the uh, 13th chapter. So he's talking about the church. 
No. He's talking about that beyond and greater than the church. Uh, The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is not synonymous with the Christian church. The kingdom of heaven is vaster. It's, It's greater than the church. But the church is a part of the kingdom of heaven. Graham Scroggie is the uh, uh, English Bible teacher from, from, from Britain. He was Dr. Uh, Stephen Olford, my Bible teacher's uh, Bible preaching professor's mentor. Graham Scoggie was Stephen Olford's mentor. Graham Scoggie uh, uses this illustration. He says, The church is not the kingdom of God any more than London is Britain or the United Kingdom. I would say it this way to give it a, a, a United States, our appeal. The church is not the kingdom of God any more than Washington, D.C. is the United States. So he's talking about here then the kingdom. It's not the church, though some try to take the parables and make it say that. But the kingdom of God is what then? In its basic meaning, it's hard to, to nail it down, but we would say some use the term Christendom. All churches, all denominations, all Christian influence. That may be, but but obviously it speaks of the empire, the dominion of Christ on earth, the rule of Christ, the rule of God. So when Jesus says here in Matthew 13 that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, He's describing that rule of God in a believer's heart. That, yes, that believer should be a part or is a part of a local church. But he's going even beyond that, grander than that, if there be anything more grand than the church. And so, while we may have difficulty with these phrases, uh, we, we understand that it's not the church he's talking about. He's talking about... All believers, as a part of, a, of the rule and reign of God in their life and in their heart. And so, having defined that, let's look at the description that he gives in these two parables. First, we, we remind you, Jesus spoke these without an explanation. This, this parable and, and others that follow are, are unexplained. And so, he uses this simile. of a mustard seed. The mustard, we think of it as a a green. (laughs) Some of you plant mustards, uh, mustard greens in in a certain time of the year so that you can have those, and it's a delicacy in the South to some folks. But but the mustard that, that we know of as a small bush is not the Palestinian mustard that grew wild in Israel, in its natural state, it would uh, grow to a considerable height, and from a distance, sometimes it even looked like a tree. I read it, that in many places, anywhere from 8 to 12 feet in height. So much so that it says that birds could come and light in the branches of the mustard seed. So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. 
The man in this text undoubtedly is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His field. It's, we could say God the Father. Uh, it's His field. And so the field is what? The field is the world. He took and He sold it in His field. And the least being the mustard seed being the least of all the seeds. Some have doubted if the Scripture was inspired. Because they say there's seeds that are smaller than, uh, than a mustard seed. In that region, in that reign, and for this purpose, Jesus wasn't saying it was the smallest of all seeds. He was saying that at that time of the known world and in, the Pal- in Palestine, that it was the smallest seed. But let's not get hung up over that issue. The, the Bible is uh, inspired and without fault and, w- and without error, and we, we accept that. But... When he says this, that a mustard seed is sown in the field and it grows to that height, has branches and limbs, sown, and, and the disciples understood that it was the, the field was the world. Can you imagine these disciples, as their mind begins to think, how will we, if, if we're to sow this seed or if this seed is sown to the whole world, How can we, there are only 12 of us, we're a little iffy on one of these guys. How can can this small band ever sow this seed to all the world? That's what he's getting at. Something so tiny as, as, as their small band, how could, under Christ's leadership, how could it ever span the entire world. Well, two points of explanation uh, from this parable that I think that are uh, about the mustard seed. One, we note the smallness of the seed. Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God in the human heart in Christendom. When, when he says that, that a mustard seed is, is likened to that, He's speaking of the small beginnings. The work of Christ's kingdom had small beginnings and it continues to have small beginnings. What's it take to start a fire? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Jesus says this mustard seed. You see it begins, we're not looking for some mass effort. It begins in one heart. It's a seed sown in one. And it grows. What is the message of uh, of this parable? What is the the thought behind it? Well, that the, the kingdom of God, though it may appear insignificant and without influence, it will grow to great heights, great length, great depth. What a, an illustration, the smallness of the seed. Some consider what we do when we come here on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. We gather together and we worship through song. We sing unto the Lord and we, we open the, the Bible, an, an ancient book that God has preserved for us these years. And Some consider that so stupid. Some consider that insignificant. 
One athlete that I have less respect for today than I did before he said this, but one athlete made the statement that he didn't see how anybody that was intelligent could believe in God. Even the Aaron Rodgers of this world think what we're doing is insignificant. God says it's a mustard seed. It may be seemingly small, but it accomplishes great things. Not only the smallness of the seed needs to be noted as we understand this parable, but the success of the seed. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. What is it that, that saves a sinner? Well, it's that Jesus died paying for our sin penalty on the cross of Calvary. He was buried and He was raised the third day. And a sinner is saved not because he decides to transform his life, Not because he wants to make a reformation. A sinner is saved when the gospel is proclaimed and that sinner believes that Jesus did that for me. It doesn't take the vote of a vast majority to say, well, okay, now he's saved. That simple little one is saved when he trusts the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the success of the seed. This tree that's described in this parable from a mustard seed would be big enough and strong enough that it would be possible for the birds to nest in the branches or find shade in that. The birds in this parable are simply there to prove the size, not not the sinfulness of this tree. There's some different uh, interpretations of this parable. And some want to make the tree evil and the birds are, are the corruption of the tree. And they'll do the same with the next parable. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't see that in this and understanding what Jesus is saying about the kingdom. So we see the smallness of the seed and we see the, uh, the success of the seed, the mustard seed. This parable should encourage any one of us. that Though we may... Be insignificant. That mustard seed. You know what? As a matter of fact, Jesus used the mustard seed again in in the Scripture, Luke 17 and verse 6, when He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, just a little faith, that you'll accomplish much. Christ informed us that just a little faith, a mustard seed of faith, could do great wonders. He's showing the the vastness of what can happen, though seemingly insignificant in its beginning. Victorious in its ending, carrying it out. So often God's people are obscure, unknown. They face a task that is far greater than than what their small means could ever accomplish. Not many outside of a small circle of preachers and maybe a a few folks in Monroe County and Calhoun County and Grenada County, Mississippi, would ever know who a preacher by the name of John Gray is. Seemingly insignificant. One day he preached the gospel and a nine-year-old little boy 
trusted Christ as well as he knew how, was saved outside of a circle in maybe Monroe County and possibly in northwest or northeast Alabama. Nobody would know who a preacher was by the name of Al Smith. God took that mustard seed of a man, those two men, and he accomplished much. Do you see what the Lord Jesus is saying in the success? Maybe you think of yourself as small, unknown, obscure, just a mustard seed. But God will take you and bring success as He defines it. He specializes in making the small great. At another time, we, we think of that mustard seed of faith and, and, and how God could do so much through that. But let's move to the next parable in verse 33. Another parable that He spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Where the mustard seed speaks of the great success of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The leaven speaks of the influence. The influence of it. You take a little bit of yeast. I'm not a chef. I'm, I'm married to a pretty good cook, obviously. Never trust a skinny cook. All right. but, but you take a little bit of yeast and you put it in that dough. And the dough increases. Because that yeast, that leaven, influences it. Influences it. Now, some view and interpret this because in many places in the Scripture it does say and it does illustrate evil as being leaven. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The pervasiveness of evil. And so some have interpreted this parable to say that well, this is the evil that would get into the kingdom of God. And they even give it names as to the, uh, the, the ones that are the purveyors of evil that have corrupted the church and, and others. I, I don't see that uh, in, in this matter at, at all. They argue that leaven is used throughout the Scripture to speak of evil. And therefore, it must be used as a symbol of evil here. I don't, I don't agree with it. One writer says, The figurative language of Scripture is not so stereotyped that one figure must always stand for one and the same thing. For example, the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. But in the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we're told that the Lord Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So just because in one place leaven is used in the Scripture as evil does not mean that when Jesus takes that very common household item of leaven or yeast and how that it, it, it has a great influence. And besides, if you take then that evil leaven is evil in this parable, then you're saying the kingdom of God will be evil. I see it as the influence of the kingdom, not the iniquity of the kingdom. The leaven here shows the widespread influence 
of the kingdom of God. Three points of explanation from this. First, leaven is unnoticed. It says that the, uh, the, the, a woman took it and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. The yeast had done its work. It had leavened the lump. There is an, the kingdom doesn't need to be noticed to be effective. We don't have to beg and plead for acknowledgement of what we do. We come together and we worship Almighty God. We come together and we proclaim the glorious gospel. We live in the kingdom of God, the rule and reign in our hearts. We go forth. We're not looking to be made citizen of the year. That's not necessary. Unnoticed element to this parable, to the leaven. There's also the effective element. It's effective. The leaven was effective. It, it made the, the, the meal rise. Jesus Christ has placed you as a kingdom citizen. And Christ in you, you are effective. You are called to be effective. He, he gives you what you need to be effective in the kingdom of God. So it's hidden or an unnoticed element to the leaven. There is an effective element to the leaven, but I think great greatest of all, there is the permeating element. That leaven, that yeast permeated all of the dough. They would knead the dough. They would work it up. And throughout it all, the whole lump would rise. The goal of the kingdom is to permeate all of society. We permeate society with the joy, with the delight of the Lord. We permeate life. Isn't that a great kingdom to be a part of? That's what He's called us to be. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Do you have an influence? Well, if you're born again, yes, you should have an influence in the kingdom. How are we influencing our world, our society? The, the field is His. And we're kingdom citizens. While we may be the mustard seed, insignificant, but in the end, that leaven, it has an influence. There will be great growth. And we rejoice in that. A small and seemingly insignificant boy was once chosen. He was the least of Jesse's sons. As a matter of fact, they couldn't believe, even his brothers scoffed at him. He was just a mustard seed of a son. Jesse, hadn't you got someone else? We've looked at all of these. And he said, well, I've got this one, but he's the least. But whom did God choose that with one simple stone would slay the giant, the champion of the Philistines? A seemingly insignificant little manger at Bethlehem. The babe would be born there to just a carpenter and his espoused wife that had made the journey to, to, to Bethlehem for the census because one of David's greater sons would be born and placed in that manger. Seemingly insignificant to the known world. 
But the growth of that seed, the influence of that seed has transformed many a life. And he waits to transform yours. It was on a hill outside of the city of Jerusalem that Jesus was hung upon a cross. Seemingly insignificant, even his death and his friends had turned against him. But there, that seemingly insignificant death was a vicarious death. Dying not for his guilt or sin, but paying the penalty for mine. Seemingly insignificant. A death that would take place in a burial, but on the third day, hallelujah, Christ arose. Victorious. And the Bible says... For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Hallelujah. Do you know this seemingly insignificant Savior? Have you come to the place, to the point of trust, of faith in Him? What was Jesus saying about the kingdom in these two small parables? Similes. He says they are like a mustard seed, the growth of the kingdom. They are like... Leaven, the influence of the kingdom. God's called us to that as children of God. Let's respond. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, this morning for giving us ears to hear, hearts to understand. Lord, may we grow. May we influence and Father, may you be glorified as a response to that. Not that we need acknowledgement or response from this world. Lord, that you would be glorified. I pray that if, no one is, if someone is here today that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, that today would be the day they would look to Him. Believe upon Him who died and paid the debt for their sin. Was buried and raised the third day. They would place their trust in Him. I pray, Father, for believers that we might grow, that we might influence. For that's what you said your kingdom is like. And so, Father, may we be that as well. In Jesus' name, amen.